0: I'm Mike Gorman and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor.
1: On world of social media, Happy Friday if you're listening to the podcast on a Friday. If you're watching on the live stream on any of the different destinations we are currently on, that would be Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Then you guys are in for a really big treat because today we've got Theoretical Trade Thursday. Or if you're listening on a Friday, Fake Trade Friday. We've got the free man <laughs> weave here. Everything's going to be great. Some outlandish stuff. So uh, I'm joined by Mr. Greg Menakis, Mr. Will Weir co-host of the Celtics Blood podcast and also host of the Green we Envy podcast. What's going on, my guys? What's
2: good, man? How we doing? I'm feeling really good. Um, I have not been on the, the Facebook live stream yet. This is my first time here, Uh, so I'm feeling good. Everyone that's been listening to my voice in the pod now gets to see my beautiful face. So what up, everybody? I've been working on the mustache, trying to keep up mm, with you guys.
0: I don't know about all that. <laughs> I don't know about beauty. yeah there's a a lot to have to keep up with here with the facial hair me and adam we bring the heat every time so we'll uh you know what We'll, we'll have to see what the people say you know we're live right now so they get to see the faces they get to see the trims or the not trims and they get to let us know what they think i mean i just need to
1: get my beard hooked up man but every time i try and get to the barbers they've either got no appointments left or i'm just too lazy to find a different barber you know like um, Uh, once you you find a
0: barber you like you got to stick with them that's well this is the
1: thing right like i've moved so i haven't got a barber around here so it's if Mm. i ever i ever do the drive back to my old like Mm -hmm. stomping ground and go to that barber but he's like booked up for like three months in advance or i take the plunge and start just testing out barbers until I find one that i'm kind of cool with and uh that means, like, luckily I wear a lot of hats. So if they do make some mistakes, it, no one's really going to know because I wear a lot of hats. But at the same time, there's going to be times I don't want to wear a hat and I need to look like, at the moment for anyone watching, it's a mess. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's bad. Um, I'm going to put the hat back on in a moment. Yeah, please so, yeah, do. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm mean, i bad, dude. Like, I don't know what's going on here, man.
0: I'm gone all emo. Well, I was emo anyway, but I've gone more emo. No, um, uh, we, we we need we need the Gordon Hayward version. I mean, that's that's the Adam Taylor that that I know and love. The one that's that's got the nice little quaff going, where he's pretty much you know the oh, British with the part, version with the part, of yeah. The he's got this he's got that UK Gordon Hayward vibe to him. So do you want to know something? One of my biggest regrets
1: from all the interviews I've ever done since being part of Celtics blog, like, you know, all the different people I've spoke to was not asking Gordon Hayward what hair product he used in his hair. Mm. That was one of my biggest regrets, Like, you know, because his hair never falls. Like, Not one strand is out of place. He could run for 48 yeah. minutes, dunk over someone, hit 14 free. I mean, he ain't hitting no 14-3s, but even if he did, <laughs> that hair has not moved, and I just do not understand how that's happening. Man. I, I need that hair product in my life.
2: Yeah, but do you, do you think that his wife is able to like get her hand out of that hair? Is she even able to get her hand into the hair? Or is it just like a turtle shell on the top of his head? Because if it's a turtle oh. shell, I don't know if it's worth it, man.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming he showers after the game so it comes out. Otherwise, she going not want to touch him anyway. He's just been running around <laughs> for 48 minutes. So, uh, so, you
0: like, so you think it's like strictly game product. So it's almost like he's wearing a helmet. I mean, granted, it's Gordon Hayward. He could use some safety devices. He's been <laughs> it's been known to get injured. So, you know, t- taking safety as a precautionary is not a, not a bad idea.
1: I'm just saying, right? Like, man, I really wish I asked because there's times where, like, you know, I have my hair cut. I go to the gym. I do a sport where my hair is going to end up messy anyway. What if I want to look pretty when I walk out of there? I don't wanna to have to redo my hair. I wanna get out of there as fast as possible. I'm half dead. So like having it look nice straight away would be would definitely be beneficial to me.
2: One one more comment before we move on, because I know we gotta get into some real stuff here. So the moment I knew that I like kinda of got out of my young adult and became an actual man, well I you know, that's still debatable am I'm an actual man or not. But when I assumed I was an actual man was when I was able to have product in my hair, go to the gym, get home, and not have a pimple on my face. That was a big moment for you, man. Because that product, if that starts dripping down your face and getting, you know, starts mixing with the oils and the sweat and everything, that's not good for everybody. So that was like my big moment where I was like, you know what, Greg Menakis, you are now a man. You no longer get pimples when you work out.
1: So the time I remember that I became a dad was the day that I looked in the mirror. My hair was an absolute mess. And I thought, I'm just going to throw a hat and I'll be fine. And that's been that way for eleven years. So um, I've been, <laughs> you've got that to look forward <laughs> because uh, it definitely changes. But I used to love to make sure my hair was perfect. You know, you want to look good. You're representing yourself. You're representing your little family. And then all of a sudden I'm like, man, I don't care who what people think I'm representing. I'm representing comfortable. I haven't slept in fourteen <laughs> weeks. I need comfortable. So uh it's it's hard,
0: man. It's hard. Hey, not, not gonna lie, guys, I'm feeling a little excluded over I was here. It's just uh, about to bother age or just about shaming
2: me over here. This is an inclusive show here. We we include all the ballies.
1: Yeah, just like Will doesn't know what to say right now. Maybe yeah. he's got some certain type of wax that he's using to <laughs> I'm only joking, dude. I'm throwing no shade. Anyway, like five minutes in, we've done our usual little bit of banter. Let's jump into some basketball discussions. So as we said, this is going to be theoretical trade Thursday, fake trade Friday you're listening on the podcast. But before that, we're going to do a vibe check. So we're going to do one reason to be happy and one reason to drink. So good and bad.
0: So we're going to go, we're going
1: to start with happy vibes, right? Who wants to take the happy vibe first?
0: I got this one. I'll take I'll, I'll yeah. get us on the right foot here. You know, even though you guys exclude me with all the hair talk, you know, I feel like it's only right that I, I get to go first in this segment. So
1: that's fair. I understand that.
0: Yeah. You know, it's all about equity on this program. So, you know, for me, what I'm going to start with, I'm going to go with Jason Tatum's field goal percentage over the last five games. So, we've talked a lot about, on this show about, and just in general, any Celtics fan has talked about Jason Tatum shooting and how he's shooting career lows, both from the field and three point range. So, over the last five games, here's his field goal percentage number, starting with the win against Philly. We had 45%, 48%, 52.9%, 59one and 45% against the Clippers. That is an upward trajectory that I am on board with. We've talked about a lot of the problems the Celtics have had. are Some of them potentially just solved with Jason Tatum shooting like Jason Tatum. Well, last five games, we're heading more in that direction, so that's going to be the vibe that I'm choosing to selectively rock with from what we've watched over the last couple of games.
2: Yeah. JT has been killing it. Um, when Adam and I were on the pod on Sunday, you know, I went into those numbers on uh, what JT was, was shooting and doing on the court without Jalen Brown, um, which also coincided with the Celtics playing good basketball. And, you know, The sample size clearly wasn't big enough because right after that pod, the Celtics played two stinkers back to back. And it's pretty clear that the Celtics probably need Jalen Brown on the court to go along with Jason Tatum, which, um, you know, we talked about that. But JT's been killing it. JT's absolutely been killing it. Um, The one thing I would like to see a little bit more out of him is just like Figuring out a way to make those cross court passes with a little bit more oomph on them. He seems like he's not really trusting that cross court pass right now. Yeah, those, those were those were
0: brutal on, versus the versus the Clippers last yeah. night. If you're watching on if you're watching live last night or if you're listening on Wednesday night, like I f- felt like half of those maybe maybe more than half of them never even had chance. Like as soon mm-hmm. as you saw it, it was just it, it was it was really hard to comprehend. But yeah, it's a good call out
2: what up, Roy Tack? He says we're a few years away from bringing one home. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, hopefully we can we can be like a couple of years. I feel like a few implies that it's more than two, and I would like to win a championship in the next couple of years. So I'm going I'm well, to call it a couple of years.
1: I mean, if we're sticking to the theoretical trade Thursday type of rule, then ideally what we're about to do is going to get you a chip within the next six to eight months. Let's go. I like it. I like it. You know, but before we get there, we need more good vibes. We need more positive vibes. So, what you got for us, Greg?
2: Well, a good thing about an 82 game NBA season is ours more basketball. So, we have a big game <laughs> against the Phoenix Suns uh, tomorrow night, or tonight if listen on the list non pod. And if we win, if we win the game against the Suns or play really well against the Suns, then you know the last two games in LA, maybe we can forget about them because we're we're such a reactionary society. So maybe coming off of this trip. You know, would you rather have won the game last night against the Clippers, a game that we should have won, and then lost to the Suns spectacularly, or lost to the Clippers last night and then beat the Suns going into a five-game homestand? Yeah, ever the optimist. This is why we're called Black Sheep Optimists, my man down here in Austin, Texas, man. Got to find a positive way to spin this. Because if we win against the Suns and we beat the defending champs, then I think you might be able to call this disastrous road trip a success. And then we have a five-game homestand, and I'm feeling pretty good about that.
1: Yo, so I need to say sorry, because I laughed when you said, oh, there's always more basketball to be played, because I'm like, yo, there's no positives from the last few weeks. (laughs) And And then I see Will trying to hold in a laugh, so that makes me laugh more. And then, oh, man. I felt like I feel so guilty. I just laughed most of the way through that. Like, I'm so Yeah,
0: I, I, all, all I could think about during that whole statement that Greg just gave is, man, Jay Z. This is this is not a statement for Jay Z. This is the moral victory, you know, all star, all star statement, right? Yeah. Now. Exactly, exactly.
1: Man, I'm so sorry. I was I've literally been crying. Just so it was like, hard to get just...
0: through with
2: you guys dying laughing. I'm,
1: laugh. <laughs> I'm looking at Will and Will's like trying not to laugh. Oh man, just because you were just like. So there's always more basketball because the basketball we've played has not been good. Yeah, Technically no. true. Technically, it true. is very true. Very true. I think that's what made me laugh. I just didn't expect it. Uh, so my, <laughs> so my um, my reason to be happy is very similar. It's that we hear a lot about how Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can't play together. The Last two losses have had no Jalen Brown, which means we cannot start throwing one of these two guys under the bus as a duo. We can only say that the unit seems far less cohesive without a full, fully fit Jason fully fit Jalen Brown there. You know, the spacing has definitely been an issue. Um I think that one thing people kind of overlook is how good JB is as a catch and shoot guy now. So having him on the on the weak side whenever Jalen whenever Tatum's driving or wherever somebody's trying to like drive like 45 cut or drive towards the drive middle, having Jalen Brown as your outlet has been huge. So not having him there it sucks, but at least we're not having to put up with the, oh, is Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum not being able to play together, and that's the reason we're not winning right now. So that's the only good thing I've really got at the moment, along with the fact that there's always more basketball to be played.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we miss JB terribly. Um, I think Eme on the broadcast last night, they mentioned how Eme put him at 90%, and they have said that he's not going to play until we're 100%. But we were actually playing decent basketball um, up until these last two games. So, you know, inconsistent, but the highs were high, the lows were low, and then um, that averages out to decent. So <laughs> with uh, with JB, hopefully, you know, getting closer to 100%, the Celtics will put him on the court sooner rather than later because, as we've talked about, we need him on the court um, not only to develop chemistry within Udoka's offense but because you saw what happens when you play you know, guys with upper echelon talent like LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, you need all your horses, and if you don't have all your horses, you're going to get left in the dust. And um, you know, especially when you go up against Brandon Boston, uh, it's really tough to win.
1: Apparently so, man. I mean, he went. Up that was insane. Ten points in the in the second quarter. Ten points. See when he no, hit ten, that half court ten shot, I was just turnovers. like, are "You
0: kidding me?" Yeah. Uh and did you hear the I Gorman know. call? Gorman before he even released it, Gorman yeah, goes. Well, this is in. probably going in. And then yeah. just bang. <laughs> wet it. I was yeah. I was very Mike, impressed by Mike.
2: Mike's had it Mike's had a rough year, but he's had some moments.
1: <laughs> I'll tell you what like um I love Mike Gorman. I tell you what I was Legend. watching I I had to rewatch that second quarter for the piece I wrote earlier where I was looking at what went wrong in that second in that second quarter and it was literally just Brandon Boston decided, I'm going to absolutely destroy everybody. Ten points off turnovers, man, and he forced two of those turnovers himself. There was only seven in the entire quarter, so two of them came from him, and then he scored on a bunch of them as well. So, uh, props to him, man. I mean, he, you know, he he dedicated Boston beat Terrence. Boston. Yep. Ter- um, dedicated it to Terrence Clark. So yeah, fair play to him. I think we go to the reasons to drink now. So, who wants to start with the reasons to drink? Why don't you start? Me, you want me to start? Okay, yeah, I always need to start. drink. Yeah, let's just go Green. reverse
0: order. We'll go reverse order here. Snake it.
1: Okay. A reason to drink for me is the fact that Ima Udoka seems very, very set on his defensive rotations at the moment and he's just not adjusting. Like you see, like if you watch the way that the Clippers played, they played a bit of man to man, they switched a bit, they used drop a little bit with Zubach, then they went zone, then they went box and one. They threw in a bunch of different defensive coverages just to keep the Celtics off guard. You know, as soon as the Celtics found a way to start attacking and find an offensive advantage, Tyloo would change up the defensive scheme. So now that advantage is gone and you need to start kind of go back to the drawing board and exploring what works as you figure it out. Boom, it's changed. Udoka's very much, this is how we're going to play defense. We might let Rob Williams drop for a little while. We'll switch to one through four switch and five drop. Then we might switch to man-to-man for a while, then four, five switch. But there's no like I've rarely seen the Celtics play zone. We haven't seen any like Mm -hmm. inventive defensive coverages and he's just running with this throughout the game, even when the Celtics are getting cooked. And uh, for me, that's a reason to drink because the one thing you need from a coach is to be versatile and be agile in making decisions and making changes. And Udoka at the moment looks very, very stubborn would be the word that I'd probably choose.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I was also going to talk about Eme. Um I don't want to bash Ime because we've talked about this. Just like players have, um, you know, development that's not always linear. Coaches are the same way. This is Ime's first year as a coach. So there are going to be a lot of growing pains. That learning curve is going to be steep. Um, but you would hope to see a little bit more progression than we've seen because he has shown moments where he's willing to be inventive. But as we've said before, it always seems scripted. And whenever he has to go off script, he doesn't really have a good feel for the pulse of the game. And, like, he doesn't have enough, um, to use a baseball analogy, arms in the bullpen in terms of strategy that he could go to. And it's just killing me, man. It's really killing me because there are some obvious things that he could be doing that he's not. Uh, One thing in particular that stands out to me on the defensive end, there's that one game. I forget who we were playing, but he tried out a bunch of different, like, three-quarter and half-court traps that I actually really liked, um, I and then full disclosure, as I tweeted last night after uh, Brandon Boston hit that, <laughs> hit that three-pointer going into halftime, I literally said, I'm going to bed, or hell no, nah, I'm going to bed, and I went to bed, <laughs> so I did not watch that second half, I caught up with the game through the Celtics legend <laughs> uh, Twitter thread uh, on Twitter, shout out to Celtics legend chat again, um, so I don't know what actually happened in that second half, I don't know what adjustments he made or didn't make, but... I know that in general, Iman Doka is scared to go off script. And he doesn't really trust, maybe it's he doesn't trust his assistant coaches, he doesn't trust his eye. He just doesn't really see the game quick enough or doesn't know how to make those adjustments. Um, But it needs to happen. It needs to happen soon. Maybe it's the idea of like the separation is in the preparation. Maybe he's not as prepared for different scenarios. And to separate yourself as a coach, you need to be the most prepared. That's what makes Bill Belichick the best. That's what makes Popovich the best. They're prepared for every scenario. And I think Imeh's prepared for what he hopes is going to happen, what he expects to happen, but he's not prepared for worst-case scenarios. And um, that's kind of what I'm seeing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's well said. We've we've covered Udoka a lot on this podcast. I don't have, you know, a ton to add to that. But, Greg, you know, you didn't watch the the, the second half uh, against the Clippers, but that's kind of how they got back into it was putting more pressure on the ball, you know, using more full court and three-quarter court and kind of mix up. It was, granted, it was still very erratic play, and it it wasn't the most intelligent basketball to watch, but they did get back in the game against an undermanned Mm -hmm. team and put themselves in a position to win, you know, but... Like you said, it's the growing pains of a young coach. It's going to be ebbs and flows. You would hope to see more growth. You know, the things that I think are really hard that, you know, when I look at specifically the Clippers game is one of the few positives that took away from that that first half was Romeo Lankford. And then he has a DNP in the second half. And it's really hard to fathom, you know, especially when we talk about, hey, listen, we get it. You're defensive-minded. You're defensive-focused how does a guy like romeo who's injecting not only defense but energy into a team that was lacking it that eventually you know kind of rallied around it to a to a certain degree out of desperation in the second half how does a guy like that not get any more minutes even even just to continue that energy and get you know, give Richardson a breath, give Schroeder a breath, or give somebody, you know, an opportunity to to get their steam, so that you can keep that high level. Know that you have a steep hill to climb that you put yourself in. It's stuff like that that really just leaves me me scratching my head, and you know, and and honestly, filling up my cup a little bit more with an additional drink. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't mind a drink.
1: It's not just it's not just Langford either, though, right? Like Neesmith just doesn't get any looking in the second half usually, unless there's an injury. Like, Smith to me, has been quite reasonable. I wouldn't say he's been good because the defensive lapses are still there. You know, he's a little bit over-eager. You catch him out of position quite regularly. But he hustles. He throws his body on the floor. He jumps into driving lanes to try and draw charges. He's trying to get pilfers. He's trying to steal guys. Luck and Trail He's always super active right up on the guy's hip. And in our offense, he's constantly moving. He doesn't like standing around. He'll, he'll lift out of the corners. Then he'll shrink back into the corners. Then he'll cut. So Neesmith's not really getting the opportunity either. And then, you know, you go Payton Pritchard. I can understand Pritchard a little bit more. Size deficiency, not being the most um, trustworthy defensively. But this is a guy that was not dominant, but very, very good as a rookie. And Udoka's just not giving him a look. And uh, to be quite honest with you, if they were winning, I'd be fine with it. But at the moment, you're not winning regularly. It's very inconsistent. Mm. So I'd much rather be inconsistent while developing young guys than inconsistent with a bunch of veterans. That's just my personal opinion, which leads us directly into why we have fake trade Thursday. think
2: before we transition, can I say one more thing on that?
1: You may indeed. Okay.
2: Um, so I was watching the Miami Heat game versus the Bucks. okay, and a perfect juxtaposition in contrast between Imi Doka, who's a new coach, and Eric Spolstra, who has been in, been in the game for a while now. Did you see the lineup that the Miami Heat won the game with down the stretch? They played Kyle Lowry, Max Struess, some literal guy I'd never heard of at center. Um, and then like two other – they didn't have Hero on, was court. It on the ben. court. They had um, Cody Martin on the court or whatever Martin uh, was on Caleb. there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Caleb Martin on the court. And he didn't make any – like he didn't put Hero back in the game down the stretch. He was like, my guys are rolling right now. Yep. My young guys are killing it in the Miami Heat beat the M- Milwaukee Bucks with Kyle Lowry, PJ Tucker, and three bench players, right? right. Max Stress, who is on the Celtics. I don't know if you just said that. I, I kind of um, – it, it kind of went out for a second. But, like, what – why can't we trust our young guys to win some games for us? Why can't we trust our young guys to just play consistent minutes? We're not even developing them, as you're saying, and that just speaks to, like, the growing pains of having a first-year head coach – Whereas like when you look at Eric Spolstra, when he first started, if you remember, there was all that talk about is Pat Riley going to come out of the front office and is he going to start coaching again? Just like there's talk, should Brad Stevens come down to start coaching the team? Like it's going to take a while. You know, we have to keep things in perspective. It's a reactionary society that we're in. But you want to see a little bit more um, flexibility from Ime. And as we've said before. He's stubborn in his ways, and we, we just need to see a little bit more Neesmith. He doesn't deserve to play over Josh Richardson, but he definitely deserves to get a few more minutes a night. you know. And this is why you and I, Adam, at the beginning of the year, we're like, it makes sense to give him a starting role because then he knows he's at least getting those first eight minutes of the first quarter every single night, and you can develop him along with the, the guys. If you turn him off the bench, you never know when there's going to be that right time for him. Um, but with that being said, go ahead, man. Take it away. Sorry for cutting off your perfect transition because that was a good one.
1: It's okay. It's okay. It's fine. So I want to start with this. Um, and by the way, just so you know, I completely agree. But I think, uh, just to wrap this up, I think that Eric Spolstra has far more job security than what Emay Udoka does. Like Spolstra can have a bad couple of months, and no one's going to be saying fire Spolstra. Yeah, Udoka's had a bad couple of months in his first few months as a head coach and everybody's already like fire Udoka. And I think that um, that job security gives you the ability because you either come into a job for one of three reasons. You come in because you're there to develop young talent on a rebuilding team. You're there to take a team from a rebuilding team into a borderline playoff team or you're there to challenge for, for a championship. And each job has its own kind of like... um it's to-do list, it's job requirements. But I, I feel like the Celtics feel like they're contending teams when the rest of the world feel like that you're kind of in that rebuilding back into a playoff team mode and maybe Udoka was the run higher because of where they're actually at. We don't know. We'll see where they are. Now, to transition back into these trades that could get them into championship mode, just saying. Not all of them will. I want to start with the one um, that was floated by ESPN yesterday. So... I know that uh, our boy John Loyal, what's up, John? You comment most weeks, but uh, John Loyal is saying they've got to make a run at Sabonis. We will talk about that, so make sure that if you're still watching, you get in on the comments when we get around to Sabonis. At the moment, though, we're going to start with what ESPN floated for Damian Lillard. So I've got it up on screen here. We've got Portland get Hernan Gomez, Hawford, Lee Smith, Pritchard, Schroeder. 2022 first-round pick, 24 first-round pick, 2026 first round pick that's top protected in 2026 top four in 27, unprotected in 2028 and then obviously that 2028 pick if the other if it doesn't put, um convey in 2017 2027 and Boston get Lillard, Ellaby, Mclemore, Snell. I like Tony Snell to be fair. I think he'd be a good pickup and Cody Zeller. How do we
0: feel?
2: Uh, uh, go ahead. Go, go? go
0: ahead. Okay, so. Okay, so from a Celtics perspective, I feel like you probably, like, we were talking about this before we came on, the Damian Lillard contract, it's just worrying, it really is. You know, as good as he is, or was, I don't want to say was yet, it's not, it's too early to say was, but struggled at the Olympics, struggled to start the season. Now he's got this abdomen injury which apparently has been a thing for 4 years that for some reason has not been taken care of via surgery, rehab, whatever. I don't know how it's lingered for so long, but he I mean he's been pretty darn good the last couple of years up until right now. So I don't know if we're hitting that, you know, that that hill that you hit where all of a sudden you're on the downslope with Damon. I don't know, but we we very well could be. Cuz so I think that trade that you just that, that's laid out, in theory, the Celtics kind of should take a gamble on it because you, you're you're giving up the picks, but I don't think any of the players really have a ton of of, of future value. Wancho, whatever. Al, you know we know he's not in the long term plans, at least at that contract. So you got to if he's going to be part of the long term plans, he's already thirty five. So you can kind of write that off. Peyton and uh, and Nismith. You know, I think Pritchard has a place in the NBA. I think it's probably as a backup point guard. Neesmith, wild card. No idea what he is. I would gamble on on his future to bring in a guy like Lillard. And Schroeder, that's kind of just giving them an additional piece that they can go flip for, for something else. He has no, no no value to them long-term. And Lillard's taking his minutes and more anyways. So you're really just kind of giving up those those four first-round picks. So I think in that vacuum, it makes sense. But the contract scares the heck out of me. And on the flip side... I don't think the Blazers have too much interest in that deal. I don't really see there being, unless they're just wanting the picks. But also I think they're gonna then ask for a whole bunch of swaps. They're gonna essentially ask for the James Harden package, which includes, you know, trying to make it seem like you potentially could get seven picks. I think the Celtics may take a swing at it, but I would be tentative in doing so. And I think the Blazers would would say no to that package.
1: So we've got my boy Cody on here, man. Cody's what up, Cody. There. Cody's a legend. He's in Celtics Legends group chat as well, so we should all know Cody. I think Dame is just redundant, a fantastic scorer, and is a top 10 player in the NBA, but we've got two guys that do his job on offense. I couldn't agree more. More importantly, I think Will kind of touched on this as well. The two guys that the Celtics have that do his job on offense are not going to be earning 40-something million. What is it, 48 million at age 34?
0: That's the end of his contract is 48, so it's escalating up.
1: And like, I just think that, as you said, the abdominal injuries and you say, like, we haven't heard about that before. The reason we haven't heard about it before is because Damian Lillard wanted to secure a contract that paid him for 70, like, you know, 48.7 million for, on his final year of a contract. So you don't have an abdominal injury until you sign that deal. You, you, you just tough it out. That's what you do. We're talking millions and millions of dollars. Why injury? I don't have an injury. <laughs> um. So I, I'm not going. I'm not in under Dame Little trade. I understand everybody likes the star names. I understand that that makes a big three. But as we all said before we came on the show, it very much feels like another Campbell Walker thing, right? Like you know, a guy with um, a bunch of mileage on the clock, got a bit of a history of being this Iron Man guy. Slowly start like just shows the, the slightest sign of decline. Boom, Boston are interested. You don't. It's just a, a bad cycle to get yourself mm-hmm. into. Greg, what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised if Damian
2: Lillard proved everybody wrong and got traded and ended up like being part of a championship team. I don't think that's the question, right? I think Lillard definitely has that top 10 player potential. Um, the All we're saying is that it's a very risky contract to bring him, bring aboard, you know, and he's getting close to $50 million and wants this extension and everything, Um you know, I think his game could actually age much better than Kemba's did. Dame's never really been someone who relied on like super quick twitch muscles to get to the to the rim or anything like that. He is more explosive than you might think. He has that like random dunk once a year where you're like, whoa, Dame literally did that. But, you know, he, he shoots from range. Um, he's always going to be able to rely on his pump fake to create space for himself. Um, I think he's going to age better than a lot of people might expect from him, but I don't think he's necessarily gonna age like Chris Paul aged, where like his he's like fine wine, you know what I mean? So um yeah, Herman Young says I'd rather have Sabonis and uh Brogden. I don't think Brogdon can be traded this year. He Not until like, the
1: stomach, yeah, yeah. He got um he signed a contract extension during the season, so the yeah. CBA stops him from being traded until the summer. Yeah, yeah.
2: But Sabonis, you know Sabonis, Sabonis is definitely going to be interesting. I think we're going to talk about that later. Um, there was one. If we're if we're cool, moving on from Dame, you guys cool moving on from Dame? Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. So on um so friend friend of the pod, Jonathan Sharks. Um. He just wrote a piece recently on uh, The Ringer where he was talking about Donovan Mitchell and how the Jazz should hand hand the keys over to Donovan Mitchell. And he theorized that Mike Conley should be traded. Um, And the one trade partner that he mentioned in his article was the Boston Celtics because he was theorizing that the Jays need a more facilitative point guard to go along with them and that Mike Conley might be of interest And to make contracts work, the one guy that he said he would want to see next to Mitchell was Marcus Smart. So Marcus Smart would be the main piece going out. And I think we would probably need to put um, Josh Richardson's contract in the deal and maybe one more. Um, So a, a deal centered on Marcus Smart and then whatever contracts without giving up like a real piece to go along with that. Would you be cool with Mike Conley on the Boston Celtics?
1: I mean, I would, but the age is still the issue for me, right? Like, you're not getting a long-term point guard then. You're getting a few years of Mike Conley. I, I genuinely don't understand why the Jazz are moving on from him, depending, considering how well they're playing and how well he's been playing. Um, I just don't see why they'd feel the need to move on from Conley. Maybe if they don't do anything this year in the playoffs, they decide to move on from him. But how old is he now? I'd be like, "What? He's in his mid 30s right?" He's not no, young. he's
2: like thirty one, thirty two, I think,
0: he's, right? Uh, I, I mean, he was. The, I'm pretty sure he's the same. same draft class as Al Horford. Same as Greno. He's same as. But Grinnell. he was a freshman. Yeah, exactly. He's, but he was a freshman. They were same. All okay. the same draft class. But he was a freshman after he came yeah, out, whereas was Horford a junior, was a senior. Right? So he's probably about thirty two. Yeah yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah, and I just feel like I can I can get on board with that as a stopgap while you wait for a point guard that maybe you have really got your eye on. That could hit free agency in a year or two. I mean, let's be honest. Mike Conley is a, a huge upgrade over whoever you've got running the point right now. Um, so I think that from that standpoint, you're still going to get some defensive intensity. Conley, Conley can mix yeah. it up. You know, he's a tough he's a tough competitor. Good three point shoot well, an above average three point shooter. Um, I better think than that what get. yeah, better than what we've got. I think that'd be a really good upgrade, but it's definitely not the guy that you you trade for expecting him to make you a champion. And I, just, I just don't know whether, is, is Mike Connolly the return you want for Marcus Smart or do you feel there's better deals out there that you can include Smart in to bring some? And that would be the, most, the main question I ask, is Mike Connolly the best return I could get if I put Marcus Smart on, on, the, trade, on the trade market? If the answer's no, then you let Mike Connolly move on and you go towards whoever you think is best.
0: Well, here's the thing, cause I mean, Marcus, uh, and probably like Marcus, Mar- CJ McCollum, and Miles Turner, no one's been thrown in more trades over the last three years than probably those three guys, just collectively around the NBA. And I feel like there's kind of a reason some of those guys haven't moved, is that maybe their value isn't as high as, as you may think it to be. So I think for me, if I look at it as in, in Mike, Mike Conley's contract a little bit different than, than what it was a year ago where he resigned for three years, 21 million per year. And so with, the, with the poison pill of, of Marcus, Meyer, I'm not a hundred percent sure how that, that factors into to what you need to move, but I don't even, you, maybe if they want Richardson, you have to do that. And you'll figure it out later, but if it's mostly Marcus, figure out whatever else filler, and maybe if, might even be a pick because let's be real Conley is an upgrade over Marcus Smart so maybe there's some type of protective pick in there if I'm the Celtics I would take that gamble you get this year plus two more years out of Mike Conley before he hits 35 you know that with Al Horford his contracts only half guaranteed or a little under half guaranteed next year you still have roster flexibility with that if it's not working but we've talked a lot about you know having a guy that that is a playmaker that's not necessarily worrying about being that number one scoring option and able to set up the Jays and what that would look like talking about Lonzo or Rubio or someone like that you know Conley's closer to them than Marcus than Marcus Smart is and so you know to your point Adam he is still a good defender he's not the same defender he was probably a couple of years ago but you got to have a little bit of balance like and right now this team is too imbalanced from the defensive side of the ball versus the offensive side of the ball and the skill sets that you need to complement each other that I'm all for if you can do Marcus Smart some type of protective pick and you get Mike Conley I'm in for it.
2: Yeah. And I don't want to like, I I like Marcus a lot. I really like Marcus a lot. I want him to, um, because I know that, I I don't know if people are tuning in for the first time, you know, they might think that this is a show that doesn't like Marcus Smart in Boston, that just wants to trade him. That's not what we're about. None of us are like, oh, we always need to trade Marcus Smart. We all appreciate Marcus Smart for what he is. Um, Great defender, um, heart and soul of the team and all that can be um, a vocal leader, Uh, when he needs to be, and I think that he's an overall positive for this team. Adam had some great stats on his um, net positive rating or whatever whatever his plus-minus was this year on the last pod, so go back and check out that last pod if you want to hear a little bit more about the impact Marcus Smart has had on this team. But in general, this always reminds me of something that Danny Ainge used to say back in the day. I think it was around the time he was acquiring Al Horford and Isaiah Thomas and all them. You was saying you just want to make moves that definitely move your franchise forward. That did like ask yourself at the end of the deal, did we become better by making this deal? And Mike Conley, right? At the his contract is up when the Jays contract is up, right? So if you want to say like, oh, he's a stopgap or whatever, I mean, we just need to find someone that is going to maximize what the Jays do for the, the the remaining portion of their contract. Like that is that is the timeline that we're all on right now. So Mike Conley being 31, 32 years old. I'm not too worried about his age. I'm just worried about is he going to be able to produce at the level that he needs to produce um, within the next couple of years. And if you had asked me two years ago, I would have said no because Conley was really struggling um, coming back from that Achilles injury. But I think he's bounced back really nicely. The three-point stroke has come along great. And um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him in Boston. I don't know that I want to give up Marcus Smart for him, though.
1: That's where my sticking point is I just feel like there's going to be other talent available that maybe you don't feature Marcus Smart as the, the the primary piece in the trade package, but having him in that trade package makes it all the more likely to get the trade over the line. So mm-hmm. I think that while Conley is a great piece, you might be shooting yourself in the foot for future trade flexibility by moving on from, if you exclude Jalen and Jason, probably your most tradable asset. And I just think that if you do that, you're never going to get the return on Conley in terms of if you need to flip Connolly, that you would do from Marcus Smart. And that's the only thing that would be holding me back on that trade because I do think that Connolly is an upgrade. Now, do we have any more from any other analysts or do we want to go into our own ones at this point?
2: Yeah, let's get into the the people with sources, these three guys right here. Yeah. You know? The only source
1: <laughs> I've got is hot sauce, dude. Um, so let's just go through a couple of the comments. So we've gone through Herman's. Herman, we're going to touch on some Sabonis and Brogdon in a moment, buddy. Um, We've got Al here saying Beal hasn't signed his extension yet. We'll see how much he wants to play with JT. I genuinely believe that once the Celtics started handing out extensions, the Beal in free agency route just kind of died because the cap cap space wasn't able to be generated the way it was before they extended Smart and um, Rob Williams. So, uh, and to be honest with you, I just don't think Bill solves a bunch of the problems that Boston has right Sim- now.
2: Similar, similar conversation to what we were saying about Dame Lillard. Like, is he the right yeah. type of guy to, to compliment complement them? Obviously, we, he... makes us better, but doesn't make us a championship team.
1: Yeah. And then we've got the Jaden Brand's name that came up in a possible trade. That rumor is most likely the one with Ben Simmons. That was the one that was very, very prominent. Is the Ben Simmons one? Buy low on Simmons, runs and hides, man. Cody, man, <laughs> I've been very vocal. I genuinely believe if you can buy low on ben, ben Simmons, Simmons a
0: in a heartbeat, dude. In yeah. absolute... I mean, it just depends on the price. Where's the price at right now with Ben Simmons? That's that's the biggest thing. I mean, yeah, it I... should be
1: like the beers that we poured at the start when we were doing the vibe check. But uh, I, I just don't know. I don't know what the price would be. But if if it was like Marcus Smart plus Romeo Langford plus two first, which is oh, insanely okay. low.
2: Insanely Sign, sign low. off. Sign off. Let's yeah. get that. <laughs>
0: That's what for I sure.
2: For. Yeah, let's get into let's get into our trades though. okay um, I got I us mind, a Sabonis trade here if you guys
0: wanna Oh no yeah. Okay, yes.
1: it. bonus. Yeah man go so on. we'll we'll load up Harman's quote again see if he's still watching and yeah, you so can load your Sabonis
0: one. So obviously the, the report came out earlier this week that the Pacers could be looking to do a rebuild or 11-6 and six team right now. And, you know, Miles Turner, Sabonis, and Karis LeVert's name were the ones that were floated around. And so, you know, I, I tried to think of, like, which one of them would make the most sense and which one, you know, just value-wise we could kind of align on. So here's one that I, I sent you guys this, by I, I changed it a little bit. So in the trade that I have, Celtics get DeMontis Sabonis and Justin Holliday. Celtics are sending out Josh Richardson, Robert Williams, Aaron Neesmith, and a protected 2024 first round pick. Figure out the, the protections later. What do you think?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, you know I'm a huge Rob Williams guy. Um, that is my dude. He's injury prone. He's injury prone, and when you told me what um, Sabonis' contract actually was, can you can you remind me of that? Remind the listeners. Uh,
0: three years, eighteen and a half million per. So this year plus two more at about that price. I don't know if it's escalating or, or de-escalating or whatever.
2: Yeah, oh, look at that hair. See that screen? The that picture. That's the <laughs> that, hair. That's the hair about, we were Adam. talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Leave that on, Adam. Yeah. Go, go off screen again. Go off screen again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man, uh yeah, but with Sabotis, man, like that contract is great, that contract's great um Rob Williams, it would really stink to see <laughs> <it would> really <laughs> stink to see thank you, cody.
0: I appreciate that
2: <laughs> um yeah, it would really stink to see Rob Williams go uh Smith, you know I like good. him, but you know if it gets an all-star center, you get an all-star center and who are the other pieces of that will?
0: So the Celtics are giving up Josh Richardson, Robert Williams, Aaron Neesmith, and or Romeo. You can kind of you know, figure that out. Uh, mm-hmm. And then a 2024 protected pick, whatever that looks
2: yeah, like. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, that, that's a pretty good deal, man. I, I don't necessarily know that I want to do it just because I love Robert Williams too much. But if, if, if that deal was actually on the table and, this, and I found out that the Celtics said no, like I'm putting myself in that position right now, and I, I'm mad. I'm angry. The Celtics said no to that. Of course, I want Sabonis. Give me
1: him. You see, my only downside on Sabonis is the defense, dude. Yeah, he's like, next. Yeah, I'm just like, you're giving up. So you're giving up. Did you say Rob Williams in the deal? You did, you? Yeah, Rob Williams. He's,
0: yeah. he's the centerpiece of the deal. Him in the first round pick. That's that's the main so thing. So you're, you're giving up,
1: arguably, your most impactful defender that who's a big. Your best defensive big. And he's also probably your best offensive big as well because of the love threat, the passing, the way he can slip screens. Um, and then in return, you get back far more offense, like a, a far superior offensive player in Sabonis, but you lose all of that rim protection, mm-hmm. and you lose a lot of that um defensive versatility in being able to switch him out to guard under perimeter, in being able to ask him to. um play a little bit of weak side, low help, man. You lose a lot of the defensive upside by, by trading away Rub to bring in some bonus. And I, while I agree, offensively, it makes this team 20, 30 times better than what it is right now. But defensively, and 20, 30 is probably an exaggeration, but defensively, you lose a bunch. And I just don't know whether I think that trade-off is worth it. Now, the counterpoint kind of point that I heard someone make a moment ago was that Rob's super injury, bro, and so, you know, you have to weigh up, is 50 games a year of Rob Williams on defense, does that outweigh 82 games of Sabonis on defense? Because I'm not sure. I just think that, I think Sabonis would still be good, but it's, uh, yeah, it's the defense I, I, that concerns
0: me. But are we not overthinking this, guys? Like, I feel like, I like, I get it. I, look, I love Rob Williams. I, I think Rob Williams is great, but, like, there, there has. To, I, mean, I mentioned this earlier. There has to be a certain balance to it, you know. Like, I mean, I think about one of my favorite Celtics teams. We had Eddie House running around out there. He's no defensive stalwart, but you know what? He's playing big minutes in games. Like teams, teams win championships with with not having every single one of their players be, you know, an A plus defender. Now, is Sabonis great, on that. no, but he's an awesome rebounder. He's averaged twelve mm-hmm. rebounds a game for the last three years, so he's not—he's not a complete zero being out there, is he? Rob Williams, no. But like you said, Adam, the ability of what you can do on offense very differently than what Rob Williams brings. But there's a, but it, it gives you such a higher stealing so with more. the versatility. Like I think that side of it when you compile all of that together that you know I I, I think at times we, we overthink it and I know Adoka is very defensive minded, so maybe this isn't a trade that he's super excited about for that particular reason, but maybe this is where Brad Stevens has to throw some weight around and say, hey, I know maybe this is what's better for the team. bring us a little bit more balance, give us some more you know uh, dynamic versatility on offense. And then on defense, I mean if you have DeManta Sabonis, you're still you still and at least in the trade that I just presented, you still have Marcus Smart, the Jays, Al Horford, Romeo Langford theoretically would still be there. So you're not, you know, you're not barren when it comes to having guys that you can surround that do have, you know, a higher defensive upside. So for me, I think this would be a no-brainer.
1: So we've got this, qu- this um, question on the screen from Al saying, can't you use the TPE instead? I mean, the thing is that Indiana want to blow it up because they want pieces back. They're not trading Sabonis to click cap space. They're trading Sabonis to hit the reset button. So they're not going to be happy with trading him away to create their own TPE. If it's a little too can, big
0: too. Yeah. Or Sabonis' contract, that is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what they're going to... Pause. There we go. Fit in. So what they're going to do is they're going to want Neesmith or Langford or a bun, or, or bunch of picks or whatever. So while the TPE is going to be good, it's not going to be... Perfect. Here we go. Instead of bidding guns a bonus against 29 other teams and end up overpaying, I would try to get Warren on a discount. So um that's interesting that Adam put that because Warren was suggested by Danny LaRue in a piece on the athletic yesterday when the athletic basically went through every member of the Pacers roster and what they would do with them. And um LaRue said that he sees Warren as a great fit for the Celtics. Now my biggest issue with bringing in Warren is one. He's only played four games in the last year. He got in like he, he played those four games in Indiana last year. Um, went down for surgery. Hasn't returned yet. He's on the end of his contract this year. The last year of his contract as well. So any trade you make for him has to be minimal assets going out because he's a flight risk at the end of the year. And then if you factor in the fact that hey he hasn't played in like you know twelve months nearly the twenty ninth. Of December last year was the last time he played an NBA game. And the amount of time it would take him to get back to fitness. But when you trade for him, you're not going to get the best version of him. And then you're kind of in this weird situation where you have to pay him if you want to see the best version of him. But you don't know if that best version actually works with what you're trying to build. And that would be the only reason I wouldn't go for TJ1.
2: Uh, do you want to get into my trade? I, I have t- I have two options here. I could do a trade that actually involves TJ Warren, or I could go completely off off the Indiana Pacers. What do you guys want?
1: I mean, did I just kill your TJ Warren dream? No, man. No, there was never a dream there.
0: Go with the TJ. Go with the TJ Warren one, and then we'll hit the other one after.
2: Okay, so I'll, I'll just throw this one out really quickly.
0: Um, so
2: I would trade Al Horford, Romeo Langford, Peyton Pritchard, and um, pick another white guy. For uh Miles Turner and TJ Warren. So Horford, Romeo, so he gets to go back to Indiana. Peyton Pritchard, so he can play in Indiana, and Indiana fans can love him. And just give him Sam Hauser. Right? Give him, give him Sam Hauser for uh Miles Turner and TJ Warren. And this way, the Celtics, um, try something out, man. Miles Turner and Robert Williams. I know Cody actually just said is oh, maybe they're a little redundant on defense defense. Yeah, I, I think they'd also be really interesting on defense, too. Um, I'm going to reference him again. Friend of the Pod, Jonathan Sharks, wrote a great piece on uh, Miles Turner. And he wrote a great piece talking about how maybe he's the guy that has actually been underutilized in Indiana. And he's the guy that Indiana should be building around. And we had talked about it. We exchanged some emails back and forth. And we were talking about Turner. And Will and I live down there in Austin, Texas. So we saw uh, Miles Turner at Texas. So we've been rooting for Miles Turner to really make it in the NBA. And I never really thought that Turner had another ceiling, but Sharks wrote a really good article, um, and I, I it, it persuaded me, honestly, to think about what he might look like in a different system, what he could look like under Ime what the Celtics would look like with two young bigs who can both switch, who can both block shots at the rim. And Turner fits a need in terms of the offensive end where he can stretch the floor a little bit and shoot the three. So he offers some of what Al Horford offers um, on the offensive end And then you get TJ Warren and you're giving up Al Horford, which stinks, but you're selling really high on Horford who, you know, you didn't expect to get too much from this year. Romeo has has shown some signs this year. Peyton Pritchard, I mean, honestly, like I really wouldn't be that upset if Peyton Pritchard got traded. And then Sam Hauser just to throw the Indiana fans a bone.
1: So the only thing I'd do there is say, can we please switch out Romeo for Neesmith? Yeah, I'm cool with that. Okay, so we're switching out Romeo for Neesmith, at which point, yeah, cool, because you're going to clear some salary cap at the end of the season when TJ Warren's contract comes off. And then really all you're left with is Miles Turner. And um, I'm completely fine with that. I also think Turner works better with the Celtics kind of defensive system. I think his floor spacing is more along the lines of what Jalen and Jason could thrive off compared to Sabonis. Sabonis can shoot threes too, but I just think Turner. For me, kind of fits the mold of what it projects in Mayudoka wants to do a little bit more, running that wide offense and then getting that early screening and asking your bid to operate above the break. Um So, yeah, I'm I'm more down for that as long as it doesn't include Romeo because Romeo is a future superstar. And dude, I, know. I
2: love Romeo driving out of the corner, going to his right, getting downhill. He's been really good driving out of that left he's corner, going really to his right
0: hand. Dude, and he's so, so jacked now. So my question <laughs> with, with this trade is give me the reasoning for Indiana do it. Cause I because I, I personally don't think that this would be enough for Indiana to do this like I like you said Peyton Pritchard not losing sleep over it is mm-hmm. what it is and whether it's Romeo or Nismith, like I, I, I as much as I like them I don't think either of them are a blue chip prospect that you're like exciting your fan base about right now like we're excited because we're watching them day to day like we're like hey Nesmith mm-hmm. is getting that shot finally or Romeo, to your point, is driving right to left. He's doing this or that. His three-point shot looks a little bit better. He's 15 minutes shooting three a game, you know? Like, it's it, it, I don't know that either of those are enough. And then Al is, is just salary, really. For, for a team that's looking to rebuild, like, that will come off the books. But you're Indiana. Like, you're not getting a ton of free agents. So it's not like having a mass amount of cap space. is like we're gearing up for a run at somebody. So mm-hmm. to me, I like that. I mean, for the Celtics, I think I like that trade. And Greg, you know, I was beating the drum that I last year started off on a down note when whether or not whatever the details were of trying to get McDermott and Miles Turner for for Gordon Hayward, when that was maybe a possibility, maybe it never was. But if it was, that was something I couldn't shake all year because I was yeah. absolutely for that. So for me, I, I just I'm not sure Indiana has enough coming back to them in this deal for for them to to not find a better deal elsewhere.
2: Yeah, I guess the question is like, what is Turner's value? I mean, there have been plenty of reports that Indiana was basically trying to give him away and nobody wanted yeah. to touch him, you know? So like, it, maybe his value is lower than we think. That's kind of what I was kind of starting Before by. they read the
0: charts article. Before they read the charts article. The charts. Uh, yeah, but I, if, if
2: they think that Turner is someone that they just want to get rid of and move on from, and they want to blow it all up, then, you know, maybe we'll get some bargain basement sales.
0: Yes, sure. no, that's entirely possible.
1: We've got a comment here, kind of just going back about some of the takes that I've had on Warren as well, saying you get his bird right, so it's valuable as a long-term asset or in a sign trade cycle. Completely I think all of those points are super fair. So I'm going to just postulate this to you guys before I throw out my trade and let everyone get on with their day. Um, my take here is that the Celtics have avoided really going deep into the tax i think that they're going to make a move to get themselves out of any tax payments this year as well probably going to be someone like Juancho that ends up gets getting moved on and i just don't know if they'd be willing to do that for tj warren knowing that they're doing it just to have him as a trade piece because he's not like so if they if they bring in warren along with bringing in one or two more guys you know and that puts them as like outside the contenders, like you could you could see a way how they'd get to the finals. Then I can see every world where having Warren and using his bird rights to keep him long term makes a bunch of sense. But if the deal is just strictly bringing in TJ Warren and that's it, I just don't see the value in that. Even though he would be a valuable trade piece down the line, um, I just don't think that it's worth paying the tax just to have an extra flippable asset. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree.
2: Um, you're just talking about just getting Warren outside. Yeah, so if it's mind. just
1: Warren, I, I don't think it's worth it. If it comes yeah. in with like a, you know, if you add him to a miles turnout or you do a, diff, a trade elsewhere, maybe mm-hmm. you bring in a, Christ, a Christian Wood and then you go and bring in a miles turnout afterwards, not a miles turnout, sorry, a, um, a TJ Warren afterwards, then that makes more sense to me. And I think you could talk yourself into signing Warren long-term there. But just Warren on his own, I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: Yeah, with the cap implications, it's tough because that's where, you know, to to Al's point earlier, that's where I think the TPE could be very useful with like, you know, sending out Wancho, but it's still just going to be that cap hit is not going to make a ton of sense. And you don't know who Warren is. So that's where I think a TPE would be the right. It's the right idea for the TPE taking a flyer on somebody with giving up, you know, less than what you typically would need to for that person's value. But financially, I'm not sure that it works out or, or makes enough sense.
1: Yeah, it's just a long-term tax hit of re-signing him with his bird rights that I think that would be the most off-pointing for the front office. So um, I've got a trade. I've been a lot more conservative than y'all. i I've, I've very much focused on... <laughs> Greg's laughing because I said y'all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been a lot more conservative than you guys. I've literally just gone for a very big position of need or a, a skill set of need. Not something that would put you over the top, but something that would make you more of a something that I'm making more of a robust bench rotation. So, um, it's quite simple. I'm trading a shooter to get a shooter, but the shooter I'm trading is young and isn't getting minutes. And the shooter we're getting back is going to get lots of minutes and is proven. So the deal would straight up be Aaron Smith and Bruno Fernando for Brim Forbes. Now the only downside to this is Brim Forbes does have a restriction. He cannot be detray- traded before December 14th, but that's like what five days away. So I'm sure we'll be fine. Um, I just think that Forbes fits everything you need off a shooter off the bench. Yeah, he's not giving you any size, but you're not really losing anything. Like you, You're giving up Smith that's barely playing and you're giving up Bruno Fernando that's barely playing. It gives mm-hmm. the San Antonio Spurs two young guys that they can develop. You know, they're, they're definitely gearing towards a rebuild once Popovich leaves. And I think if you give them Smith and... Well, let's just be honest. We're giving you Neesmith and Fernando's just there because it makes it seem fairer. Um, so you so, <laughs> So you get Neesmith and you get to work, you get Popovich to work with Neesmith while giving Smith a bunch of minutes. As, uh, and then, you know, the Spurs then have Doug McDermott and Aaron Neesmith. Those two can, like McDermott can help develop Neesmith. The Celtics, it's Brim Forbes. And I think Brim Forbes is one of the best bench three-point shooters in the league. Um, one of the most reliable—I shouldn't say best— one of the more reliable three-point shooters off the bench. Uh, I think that works for both sides. I think it gives the Spurs another piece to build around. I think it gives the Celtics a reliable bench option, and so, it's conservative.
0: So, uh, so I, I like the trade. I like where your head's at. My only question is, for the, from knowing what we know about the Celtics so far this year, how does Bryn Forbes not end up in Peyton Pritchard purgatory? Where we just have another undersized guard that can shoot, but Ime doesn't play because they don't have uh, the same type of defense. I'm laughing at Cody's. Comments. Yeah, what, what was the end of that
2: sentence? <laughs> Cody, you met, yeah, I, was, I stopped listening to Will. Yeah, what was the end of that <laughs> well, sentence? Well, happens a lot,
0: anyways. But no, so I was saying, how does so in that trade, tell me why Bryn Forbes doesn't end up like Peyton Pritchard, glued to the bench for being an undersized guard that can shoot, but also doesn't play. Uh, a ton of defense or could be con- seen as a liability. On so I think the biggest thing here is that Udoka trusts vets. And
1: okay. this is, Brim, as as Jay Cruz from YouTube just put, this is NBA champion Brim Forbes. This isn't second year. Hey, we did have NBA champion Jeff Teague last year too. Just, just saying. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, I mean, okay, yeah, you disproved that. Sorry, Jay Cruz. So, but, um, go ahead, go ahead, Adam. No, I'm just saying, like, you know, I think that Udoka would trust Forbes more simply because maybe – To hide a guy on defense, you need that guy to be compliant within a defensive system. You need to know you can trust him to stay on that weak side corner and not venture or try and get himself involved in any possessions defensively. I think Pritchard is very much in that prove-yourself stage and he's quite a tenacious... tenacious competitor so he wants to be involved in defensive possessions he wants to be getting switched onto guys and um, stunting on guys and trying to tag Roman as the weak side low man whereas brim forbes just end about that life he's going to stay in that corner just top like a guy if he needs to and then sprint down for the catch and shoot opportunity i think that's where my differences come just age and experience what was you okay. going to say Greg?
2: so i would i think that's selling very low on neesmith if if the celtics are trying to um, you know, play Neesmith a little bit more and e- increase his trade value. I think there's a world in which you might be able to get more than Bryn Forbes. Um, I'm not a big Bryn Forbes guy. Um, I was thinking back to the playoffs last year. I think his numbers are good, right? He's got 45% last year for the Bucks in the regular season. You know, he, he when you watch him play, he definitely hits shots. Um, my question is, is Bryn Forbes someone that's actually going to play in big moments? And if you look at his playoff numbers, man, Like, as the games got more intense, Bryn Forbes got worse and ended up getting three DNPs at the end of the series, right? And his numbers in the finals weren't good. His numbers in the playoffs weren't good. Um, And that's kind of what I saw from Bryn Forbes last year, is that he's someone that, yeah, he can shoot. He can shoot a little bit. But can he get his shot off against great defenses? And I don't think that's the answer. Um, Bring back (laughs) BDB. Yeah, bring him back. Have you guys ever
1: heard Cody's, um, Cody's poem about Aaron Baines? No, I, have but not, I also, but I'd love I also
2: need to know how you pronounce
1: Cody's last name. Is it Shalafu? Shalafu. Shalafu? It's not Foe? Yeah, Shalafu. I've always yeah. called, I've been calling him Cody Shalafu for about four years on multiple <laughs> podcasts, so I might be wrong. Cody, do me a favor, man, drop that um drop that Aaron Baines poem into the Celtics Legends chat so these guys can hear it, please. <laughs> yeah.
2: We're dropping on the screen, man. Um, unless it's just like way too long. Is it? Is it like a uh, It's like two for. Like, oh,
1: it's like yeah, yeah. There's two of them. There's um. There's Romeo and um. There's Romeo or Romeo, and then there's um. Aaron Baines, please come back. And both of them are hilarious. <laughs> I I love
2: that. I wrote I wrote a um. A, he's got Bobby Portis eyes. Take on uh. He, she's got Betty Davis eyes. Uh, Last year, that was pretty good. I'll I'll drop that in the Celtics. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: So I I completely get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I completely Um, get that. I think for me, my outlook on it is like, like, is Neesmith going to get minutes at all in the playoffs? Like he's struggling for regular season minutes. And like, at the moment, I'm like, okay, so Forbes probably will end up with some DMPs if the Celtics make a deep run. But Forbes will be a huge part of them getting into a deep run because of his bench scoring. Whereas at the moment, Neesmith definitely has the higher ceiling. He's most likely going to end up as the better player, but only if he gets minutes and he's not getting them right now. So I'd rather trade for somebody that would play rather than have a better player or a player with a higher ceiling that doesn't see the floor because the coach doesn't trust him.
0: That's yeah, fair. I'm, I think that's fair. I'm, I'm just not convinced that EMA is going to play a guy that might be a liability on defense as we've seen, despite being, being a veteran. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, we could do, we could just say... Doug McDermott
1: for pay into the TPE and we'll send you back Peyton Pritchard and two set two fur or first, Now you're talking, one talking about language.
0: Doug Dougie McBuckets is somebody I've had my eye on for about two, three years. So now you're talking my language.
1: So Doug McBuckets can be traded for in five days. So I'd do I'd do Peyton Pritchard a 2022 first round pick and then you can create your own miniature TPE like a $10 million TP as well. So that gives the Spurs, a young guy, some flexibility and a future draft pick. And in return, you get dogma buckets.
2: Do yeah, I'm down
1: for that. Yeah. Can we agree on that's the hey, trade that they need to make? We, we all agree.
2: We, we came up with the trade. Call it in. <laughs> Phone it in right now. Call your sources.
0: Well, cool. five days. I think we've got to wait five days. to call that in. But we'll, we'll, you know we'll, we'll, drop, we'll drop the paperwork. There's a
1: shop by me. A store's just opened. And they sell American food. Like, um, just like you know, like junk food, you know, like candy and sodas and stuff. But I got myself some Louisiana hot sauce ramen and um, rap snacks. You got oh, the rap, rap snacks. snacks. Okay, Yay, which yeah,
2: which
1: rap is in this? Uh, I don't know, is that little boozy little boozy. Little boozy, but uh, yo, this was this was dope, dude. I highly recommend for anyone in England to drive to a store that sells these. I, I had this just before I came on with you guys, I got a crash. <laughs> But um, yeah, that's fire, man. Louisiana hot sauce. nice. I'm going to go buy more. I mean, they were (laughs) expensive because of the import tax and stuff, but I'm I'm about to go cut me another 10 or so. I'm just trying to point that out that it was
0: delicious. Shout out to Raps. I Uh, I, I like,
2: I like just when anybody references American things, like American food. Like it just sounds funny to me. Like people in other countries, like we, you know, we're calling things Chinese food and Italian food. And the people in other countries, like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm
1: American. Just so, crazy. just a snacks, you know, I don't like, I don't class like food as American, but like snacks, like you know, like Free Musketeers bars. Um, you mean all the crap food that we eat in yeah. this country? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. melt duds, like, um, <laughs> like th- <laughs> things, I ca- things I have to go to very specific stores to buy. Like, that's the sort of stuff where I'm like, right, that's American candy yeah. because I have to. I have mm. to go to a very specific place if I wish to purchase it because it's not on general sale.
2: What's another good American candy we can give? We can give Adam.
0: I mean, anything at Hershey's products. You know, I'm a, I'm a Reese's guy myself, so that's oh, so that's Hershey's crazy. is on general okay. sale here. Okay. What
2: about um something like Slim Jims? I like guess Slim Jims over there.
1: No, I have to go to very specific places. Yeah, yeah that's an American. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying
2: to, no, I'm just <laughs> what, trying to figure out like what would be available there. Yeah. And so what, so, what the,
1: so my wife, like, I went and got some Twizzlers today from the same place because they're um they very specific places if you want Twizzlers or if you want Grapevines. Um,
0: can I say it real quick? Twizzlers highly overrated. Not not oh, not terrible. a big fan. Yeah, I'm
1: I'm just like whatever. I like yeah. um big red chewing gum is a big thing here, but you have to go to very specific places to buy. Um, I remember when I was a kid, you knew who'd been to like Disneyland, Florida or Disney World, mm-hmm. Florida, because they'd come back with like loads of big red, like, hey, do you want a big red? I went to America. Like, yeah, come to do. the playground, start selling them on the black market. Yeah, seriously, dude, because it was <laughs> before they got imported, right? So you're like the only way you had them was if you've been in America, and usually it's like we're English, so it's usually Florida and um people come back like buy one for like 20p 30p (laughs) i don't
2: know what tim tam slam means but maybe that's a referee. i don't know if that's a slim gem but um what is tim tam slam i don't know what that is
1: is that is that a british thing it's not a british thing what's a tim tam adam (laughs) explain
0: yourself can it's we just Australian,
1: do a- so Adam must be in Australia. So Tim Tam is a brand of chocolate biscuit introduced by the Australian biscuit company Arnott's in 1964. It consists of two malted biscuits separated by a light chocolate cream filling in a coated thin layer of textured chocolate. Okay. All so right. these look to Shout me... Shout out, Adam. All right. These look to me like the Australian version of custard creams. Which okay. no Americans gonna win this. I'm gonna wrap it point. up there. I yeah.
2: can't eat anything with the word custard in it because Oh buddy, right. I'm
1: not Australian. No. No no Ooh, this oh, happens. This is
0: a common yeah. misconception. Common I'm not misconception. Australian, buddy. You, just, I'm a, you may have lost a fan
1: here. Yeah. Unfortunately <laughs> I'm stuck in the uh I'm stuck in hell. I mean I have a very small island in the middle of Europe that has terrible weather and they don't let me live in America, so I'm not happy with this country. It's a must. <laughs> All right, then, everybody. I think we've kept you for long enough. It's been like an hour and five minutes of your time. Before we go, before we go, if you're listening live, make sure you go to Apple or Spotify, search Celtics blog, hit that follow button. If you're listening on the podcast, make sure you scroll down to that five-star, hit that five-star button, and write something really nice about us. Make me smile, mate. Will smile. I mean, when Will smiles, apparently I laugh so hard that I cry because that's what happened at the start of the show um and if you are not same time as wildlife I've never seen them buddy I need i <laughs> I've never once seen my Tim Tam. I'm going to have a look though. If I find them, I'm going to um, DM me on Twitter. So if I find them, I'm going to send you a picture because I've never seen these before. Adam, Adam if,
0: you, if you find them, you need to send them to, to Greg and I. We'll help you pay for whatever the shipping cost is so we can all eat a Tim Tam slam together on the next three <laughs> minutes and weeks. And
2: Adam, I know I know you don't really do it um, kind of like how we do our pods when we have like the quote from the episode that, that becomes the title. But like, I would really like this episode to be titled, Tim Tam is widely available in all Commonwealth
1: (laughs) (laughs) countries. I've never seen one. Anyway, I was doing my intro. So yeah, leave that five star review writing something really nice. And just before we go, I'm going to let Will and Greg fight between them for who tells you how to spread the good word of the Celtics Blood podcast.
2: Oh, it's it's on me? Oh, man. All right. Um, very
1: little fight. So I'm quite yeah. disappointed. Yeah.
2: yeah. This is, this I come is unprepared the most,
0: for this segment every
1: always, time, so I'm always, happy to always pass it
2: off. Uh, make sure you tell your friends. Make sure, you know, as we head towards the holidays that you tell somebody that you are pretending to enjoy the conversation with that you should listen to. <laughs> you should listen to uh, the Celtics blog, Celtics pod podcast with Will, Greg, and Adam. And um, next time, you know, tell someone about Tim Tam. I ain't disrespecting you haters. I ain't sweating you're repenting y'all testing my patience, never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the f-